This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus spoke everything to the crowds in parables, and he did not say anything to them without using a parable. In this session, we'll take an introductory look at what is a parable, what's the point, what it's all about, and hopefully, we too will have ears to hear. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the week before Pentecost, as I was preparing uh, the sermon uh, from the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter one, it struck me in the preparation that in that 40-day period that's celebrated between Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead, and the day that he was taken into heaven, which is called the Ascension in Christianity. So there's a 40-day period there between those two events. And it's said in the book of Acts, chapter 1, that Jesus spent the 40 days constantly, constantly talking to his followers about the realm of God. And my that just struck me that as Jesus was about to depart in his physical sense, he wanted to download as much information about the realm of God to his friends as he could. Like, this is really, really, I'm getting ready to go. So you got to know this, you got to know. So it was very important. And then when you look back over the canonical gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, the most important thing that Jesus talks about all the time is the realm of God or the realm of heaven as it's recorded in Matthew's gospel. Uh, and so this was of primary importance to Jesus, this concept of the realm of God. And as it's recorded for us here in Matthew, that Bob read to us, that Jesus spoke only in parables. Everything he taught was in parables to communicate this realm of God. In fact, the wonderful Episcopalian theologian, a man named Robert Farrar Capon, very influential in my own study and spiritual growth, has really uh, argued quite convincingly that every parable Jesus told was about the realm of God. Every one. And so all of that struck me that I, if it was so important to Jesus, this concept and this teaching of parables, it is my thought that for this summer, we would make good use of our time together looking at these parables and considering this concept, the realm of God, because it is, was, is, and ever shall be so important to Jesus. And if we're going to try and follow Jesus on the way of radical love, makes sense, well, we should know something about this. So we're going to grapple with these things for uh, over the summer, summer period. One of the things I would like to communicate is people confuse sometimes a proverb and a parable. And, and so proverbs, think of proverbs more like Aesop's fables. A proverb is a story that's told to make a moral point or to help somebody have a good way of living. And so, for example, one of Aesop's most famous fables is the tortoise and the hare. And you know the story, the, the hare runs very quickly and gets ahead in the race and is so far ahead, decides to stop and take a nap. 
and that tortoise just plugs along slow and steady and gets to the finish line first. And the moral of this story is that slow and steady gets the job done. Don't just rush off willy-nilly because you may, may make mistakes. And so that's a, a, a proverb. It, it has a moral to it. Well, the parables are not like that. The parables, and there's been a lot of study of par the parables of Jesus because he so frequently used that as a teaching device. And so for thousands of years, many theologians, Christian theologians, thought the parables were colloquial stories that Jesus told rural community people, quaint little stories that they would be able to clue in and understand. And then some people thought the parables were really pointed barbs at the Pharisees of Jesus' day, or the religious leaders, or the political leaders of Jesus' day, that these were stories designed to undermine uh, the powers that be of the day. But in the last 50 years or so, there's been a whole wave of new theologians looking at these parables as not uh, quaint colloquial stories, because they're very hard to understand, honestly, and that they're not pointed at uh, making fun of Pharisees or religious or political leaders of the day, that they are more designed to help liberate us from bad thinking or wrong worldviews so that we could live more freely. And so there's a whole new wave of theologians looking at the parables this way. And I have to be honest with you, that sits really well with me. I like that, to think that they're for all of us. And so we're going to look at these parables as a way to liberate our own thinking. And, and so here's the way this, this works. A lot of folks have identified that the parables are in many ways more like Japanese Zen koans. And so a koan, if you're not familiar with that term, is a story or a saying that a Japanese Zen master, a Chinese Zen master, would give to their student. But the goal is this. The goal is to blow the student's mind open in a whole new way to see the world in reality and experience life in a whole new way. And it's not just an intellectual exercise, but it's to open up an experience, a visceral experience of experiencing life in a whole new way. That's what a koan is designed to do. And there are some famous Koans. There is, uh, what is the, here's, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Well, you're never going to figure that out logically. And see, in the West, you and I were brought up in a scholastic system that gave great emphasis to reason and logic and figuring things out. But there's a lot of people on the planet that live without that overly heavy emphasis on reason and logic. And so the koans are designed to blow some of that open. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Another one. What did your face look like before you were born? What was your original face? And so, so as a, a master would give their student one of these sayings to try to figure out. And the idea was is they would have this inner experience of a whole different way of seeing 
And I think the parables of Jesus have the same goal. Now, I'm not saying the parables of Jesus are koans, but I think they have the same goal to help liberate us. Here's where I'm coming from. You and I experience the five senses around us, what we see, hear, smell, taste, and the other one. Feel. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Tactile. You can see I'm not very tactile. So I have a bad sense of tactile. So we, we take these fives and then we put them together. And because of the way our psyche is structured, we have fears, we have anxieties, we want to be popular, we want to be famous, we want to be safe, and we're afraid there's not enough. And so we take what our five senses tell us and then we filter it through all that stuff, what some people call call our egoic nature based on our ego and the psyche and Freud and Jung and all that stuff. And so we filter all that and then we have a way of interacting with the world, a way of living. We go through life like that. And I'm suggesting that the parables of Jesus, who was a wonderful wisdom teacher in the Jewish tradition, are designed to blow open that filtering system of our egoic nature and to experience life in a more vibrant, full, integrated way. And this fascinates me, and, and I think there is a lot to this, as I hope to share over the summer months, that uh, liberate, and, and, and this liberation uh, is really focused on the Greek word in our Bibles, that's often translated as to repent, which has a lot of baggage to it because of preachers like me for hundreds of years. But the, the original word in the Bible, the Greek word, is metanoia. And it just simply means a change of thinking, to change how you perceive things, to realize, to experience life in a whole different way, without the filters of this fear, anxiety, I've got to be popular, I've got to be safe, I want, I want, I need, I need, to blow that open and to experience life in a whole different way that is more integrated and, and fulfilling and flourishing. As Aristotle would say, the goal of life is to live a flourishing life, to be fully alive. And I think that's what the parables of Jesus are designed to do for all of us, to liberate us from the fear of not enough. And so that at some level we realize how integrated we are with each other, or as the wonderful Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh has coined the term interbeing, that we are all connected to each other. And the idea that I'm isolated and I gotta take care of myself and to heck with everybody else and me, 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 I, gets blown apart. And we realize we're in this together. We need each other. We are interrelated. My welfare is dependent upon you being safe and having enough. And yours is on mine. And we want all of us, that's the flourishing life, really being alive. And the parables are designed to shake that open within us and, and help us have a visceral experience with this this. Thing called the realm of God. Now I've been reading a wonderful female theologian, Cynthia Berjolt of late, who says that the, the realm of God 
is not something you die into. For example, you die and then you go to the realm of God. No, no, no. She suggests it's something we awaken into. And that it's not a place you go to, it's a place you come from. So being liberated, being free, being realizing the interconnection of all that is and how God is with us and we are with each other and we are connected to the planet, to all beings on this planet, to each other, that it's for all of us to thrive, that that is the flourishing life. St. Augustine in the third century said, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. And that's what we're going to try and, and wrestle with and explore how we could enter into that over the summer. Now, I want to give you a caveat. If you're going to try to come thinking somehow I'm going to provide answers <laughs> that have eluded much greater minds than mine for thousands of years, you're going to be sorely disappointed. It is not my intention to answer these profound insights of Jesus, but it is my hope that I could tag along with him and provoke all of us into seeing how we might somehow connect or interact or have an experience with the realm of God. So my hope is that it will be a provoking time to get us out of our comfort zone and to look at life in a whole new way. And not just intellectually look at it, but to experience life. This gift, this wonder of life in a whole new way. That's my hope for our summer together.